0: Hi, I'm Alex. I'm George, and together we are A G magicians.
1: magicians.
0: So that's all that we had planned so far, basically. Uh, welcome to the
1: first of these. What are we calling them? Aren't they called podcasts? They are called podcasts, but so not, could I'm not calling sure. it magic podcasts. Although somebody's probably already done magic mm-hmm. podcasts. Probably, we don't want to be infringing on stuff. So no infringing. We'll call it game of thrones yes that's fine Ta-da. so that doesn't impinge to be fair we could call it a game of thoughts we could call it game of thoughts it's close to game
0: of thought it is close to game of thoughts that might be it who knows at this point but uh we wanted to do sort of something a little bit different from things we've tried before
1: and kind of explore why is magic important and it is very different because if you could see me I'm hanging upside down from the ceiling. It's how he gets into his role. It is. Very method. You have to hang upside down. Very Batman. Oh, we can't use that one either. No, it's fine. That's not... That's that's (laughs) another infringement. We're not going to call it Batman. Don't you worry. Magic bat. Magic what? Magic bat. Surely bat magic would have been better. Well, no, because we could bat things backwards and forwards, because isn't that what you do if you do a podcast? Is it? I think so. Like playing ping pong, but with our mouths. No, that would be silly. That would be silly. (laughs) So, here we are, hanging around, upside down, Mm -hmm. and if you don't believe us, turn your speaker the right way round. And you'll hear everything. So, George. Yes. What? Very informal
0: of me. There is a huge, huge, huge history of magic. Right? Yes, as there is everything. Well, not everything, not like the internet. The internet's only been around yeah, but 20 huge, years.
1: Yeah, it's huge... It
0: hasn't really, because you know, there was... No, I suppose, okay. There was internet connections in the pyramids, wasn't there? Was there? Yes. You've been watching too many ancient
1: aliens. <laughs> They've said it, the aliens were there. They had connections with Peru. Of course. Or it could have just been magic. Could have just been it magic. could have been, but pyramids is where... Yes, some of the magic history apparently begins. It is. Because those of you that are interested in this can look for hieroglyphs of cup and balls. Absolutely. Stuff that's still
0: performed to this day was made very famous recently, relatively recently, by Paul Daniels. And other people. And many other people. Again, during the 4,000, 5,000 year history of this sort of stuff. But it's more than that. It's more than just historical It has existed throughout recorded history as all sorts of different things. Shamans, sorcerers, wizards, obviously Merlin is a really big uh, example of magic in in a historical court. But,
1: but, it didn't always exist as magic. No. Fairly well, it's psychology. It's Mm -hmm. how we believe things. It's our wish to believe and have control over powers which we have no control over, i.e. the sun coming up and going down again. So you think that that's some kind of psychological imperative? That we have to have control, because that's what we do. If we go right back, lots of theories of evolutionary psychology say mm-hmm. that one of the things that makes us move forward is that we can imagine things. Yes, and our imagination leads to things that may or may not be actually real at the time. So, most of magic is imagination? It's about imagining things. It's about imagining a ball going through a cup. It's about, 100 years ago, sawing somebody in half. It was imagining that somebody could actually be sawed in half. To the point that... Mr. Selbit, or Tibbles as he was, had ambulances outside with buckets of blood being thrown on the streets so that people could imagine what was going on inside. And it was that imagination that drove loads of people to go and watch women being tortured. Oh, good. That sounded really dodgy, to be honest, out of context. It was the time of the suffragettes. Oh, that's all right. So that was all right. So, of course, what you had to do, if you wanted publicity, Mm -hmm. was to actually go and saw suffragettes in half. And he actually offered suffragettes money. But they told him to go away. But I think (laughs) they used different language. Quite possibly. But that was all about the thing. And he had to use people's imagination to get them in. And he used all kinds of different tricks. And nothing has really... Changed. We still use tricks on this wonderful internet thing to get people's attention. Absolutely. It may not be buckets of blood. No. But it is fluffy kittens. It is. And that shows the advance that evolutionary psychology allows us to do. We can go from throwing buckets of blood Mm -hmm. about imagined suffragettes being cut in half. Yeah. To our attention being attracted by fluffy kittens playing pianos. And that's true progress, isn't
0: it? It is. So, as smooth a segue as this will be, <laughs> looking at the progress of magic into sort of the modern era, about 10 years ago, 15 years ago, there was this move in neuroscience to actually start using magicians, identifying uh, magical principles that they used to actually look
1: at the neuroscience aspect. And they did. And hmm. they identified, as all good neuroscientists do, that we have a brain. That's that's helpful. And they could draw pictures of it. Is that why they, they get funding? And then they could take photographs of it. But they good. weren't taking photographs of cats. No, they were taking photographs of our brain. And what they were doing is they were taking photographs of our brain whilst watching people being sawed in half. And that's true advance, you see. It is. So <laughs> so what were the actual
0: results from the brain scans, otherwise known as taking pictures of people uh, watching women being sawed in half? They,
1: yeah, but is the same. If you could have taken brain scans of that, mm. it was these bits where we were imagining what was really going on but we couldn't actually determine what was going on. So the bits of the brain that are uncertain and questionable all flashed up, otherwise known as things like your creativity. So people were creating the ways that the magic tricks could be carried out. So they did things that actually they just projected ideas and solutions onto things that just didn't exist. So this also brings us
0: to a fascinating effect called the Zygonic effect, where actually we pay far, far, far more attention to to... not finding out what's at the end of a... Yeah, the recording didn't run out
1: there. That was on purpose. That's the Zygonic effect. It's fine. You don't know what's coming next. Exactly. This is part one, two, and now we're imagining what's going to come next. So you automatically fill in... The blanks. You do. So when you're watching somebody being sawn in half, you're filling in the blanks. Your imagination is creating solutions. The magician's role, however, Mm -hmm. is to make sure that they're not the real solutions to what's going on. So you're creating this illusion of magic. Mm. This illusion that something impossible is happening, which is exactly what the shamans did Way, way back in the pyramids times, Mm -hmm. or times of pyramids, or even ancient Egypt, depending on how you want to view those sort of times. Yes. They were using steam control to open temples. And make it look as if the temples were opened by the gods. And that was where it is. But people were using their imagination, and because they didn't know what the sort of power of a steam engine was, or the power of steam was, the logical thing was, wow, this must be the power of the gods. This must be the power of the priest, the priestess, the holy man, the shaman. And we're still doing the same now. Absolutely. Because again, you look at performers like
0: Yori Geller or other people who claim, whether rightly or wrongly, to have these powers for, quote, real or for entertainment purposes, only of that sort of stuff, the same mentality is still there. It is still tapping into the mysterious, the unknown, and making it powerful, and having an impact on everyday life.
1: So, as you forward to the centuries, you will see people like Robert Houdin, in the 18th century, mm-hmm. or the beginning of sort of the 19th century, that kind of time, or even mid-19th century. You will see yeah. he begins to use electricity oh he generated effects using electromagnetism wow and that just wasn't in people's mind now what we call it is conceptual blindness if you don't know it exists you, you can't you see can't it. actually see it and you can't imagine that's what's going on as magicians we have lots of things props techniques Ideas, Sleight of hand, uh,
0: manipulation techniques, black art, stuff that's hidden
1: from a lot of people. That actually people don't know about. So they're conceptually blind to it. And if we now go back to the neuroscientists, they actually took photographs of the brain. And actually you could see parts of the brain lighting up, trying to find solutions. And then arriving at solutions albeit false ones, i.e. that, yes, spoons can bend, yes, we can read minds, but they're completely false. There is no scientific reasoning behind them, but there is psychological evidence. So we often say magic is completely psychologically sound, but scientifically false. The psychology leads actually a belief in science. If you don't know it exists, you're conceptually blind to it. If you're conceptually blind to it, you will follow a whole range of different belief systems. That's fairly well the summary. That's a very, very,
0: very quick look at the importance of magic, the tiny history of magic uh, summed up very quickly. If you like this, please,
1: can I get down from the ceiling now?
0: No, you've got to stay up there for the rest of the day. If you like this, subscribe and we we'll do some more.
1: Thanks.